Welcome, everyone, to episode 15 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. Corey. No Will, uh, no Eric yet, or no Will yet, no Eric this week. Uh, Will has work late, so he's going to be joining us at some point later. I was hoping to get him on for the main segment of this episode. We're going to be talking about the new indie game from Supergiant Games, uh, Pyre, uh, which he actually played, which which is awesome. But he did send an, an email with his thoughts, right, Corey? Mm-hmm. So and then if he wants to talk about it later, like during what we played, we can do that, too. So uh, and Eric is still in the process of finalizing all of his moving stuff. Uh, his Internet wasn't hooked up quite yet. So hopefully he's on next week and, and back to normal for him. Uh, but he has moved into his new place, which is awesome. So anything you want to tease for later on in the episode, Corey? I don't think so. OK. Uh, we do have to tease for after the outro of the episode, me and Corey will be doing our Game of Thrones uh, recap discussion, I guess, for Season 7, Episode 4, uh, Spoils of War was what it was called. So we'll be talking about that after the outro. Obviously, that will have spoilers in it, too. So, And you know what, Just Dan? I did, I did play something new, uh, Slime okay. Rancher. Oh, nice. I played maybe 20 minutes of it. So not, a, not enough, but maybe yeah. enough that we might want to think about doing that next week. Okay. Yeah. We, we were deciding on whether or not we wanted to do that for this week's episode. So I did download it and install it. But then at some point over the weekend, uh, I think it was over the weekend, Corey's like, you guys should really play Pyre. You know, you said you couldn't get enough of it. So, and I had been meaning to buy it anyway. And I was listening to um, co-optional podcast and, and they were talking about it. I'm like, Oh, that really sounds awesome. So I, I decided to, buy it and play it this weekend and uh turns out i'm glad i did so yeah uh now the i'll get into the main mechanic because I, I i didn't have a good grasp on what you meant when when you're talking about it before Corey. but essentially it's a it's it's a sports game for lack of a better word um the 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 game bases itself around this competition called the rights and it's uh three versus three so you you each side has has three guys and the the ultimate goal of the the game is to put the ball i guess it's like a spirit orb and you have to put it into the other team's pyre and you slowly lower their their flame on their pyre until it gets down to zero and then that team wins uh that's a simplified version of it every player has like an aura around them uh based on their stats there's an aura and the 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 players from the other team can't touch your aura or they get banished for a temporary amount of time uh you also get banished if you dunk the ball into the other team's pyre. If you actually like take physically take it and put it into the pyre, you get banished for a little bit. Um, there's ways that the some of the and, and based on all the different characters, they have different size auras around them. Like uh, the big, the biggest character that I have, Jodariel, who's like this giant demon woman, has a huge aura around her, but she moves extremely slowly. So uh, she's really good to keep around your base as, as a defender. Um, 
But yeah, there's there's a million different strategies you can do with that. They all have different special abilities. They can fling their aura too, a lot of them, uh, to try to knock out the other the other players and, and banish them. So um is there anything you wanted to add for for the for the actual game, Corey? Yeah, and and I I did realize in explaining it last week that I wasn't doing doing a very good job of it, but it's just one of those things that's so out of the ordinary and unlike yeah. anything else that it kind of it kind of takes a new set of terminology to describe it uh, yeah. that I don't think we really have yet. But I mean, for me, sports game I think is a good way to explain it. I sort of thought of it as a miniature MOBA. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, MOBA ask definitely like a MOBA that only has. 3v3 and this the map is very small uh-huh. but same type of thing you know characters have abilities uh they can level up they can do all those sorts of things that that all happens outside of the game that's the other rpg elements that's that the rpg R- rpg part of the game there's Within also this. uh choose your own adventure type of stuff too yeah uh which is really cool that's a, that's a lot of it. it's, it's de- definitely a blend of a, a lot of different genres of game which is cool yep or or gun trail yeah, yeah, because you're right. I think you mentioned the Banner Saga last week, Corey, and I got a little bit of that when you see the the wagon, you know, kind of moving along. And, and then, you know, you get to a fork in the road and you can choose to go one way or another way. If you go one, like one of your, your uh, uh, I don't even know what they're called, you, like your crewmates, who is your team, essentially, your, your, your uh, party. You know, someone will get a benefit from going this way or someone will go this way to scope something out has different benefits and and negativities and uh, interacting with all the all the different different characters and and their biases toward each other, too. Yeah, uh, is is another interesting thing about it. Um, But, yeah, the the basis for the story is the there's these this overworld called the Commonwealth. And it's a like, you know, like a a country, I guess, for lack of a better word. And uh, the the rights take place in uh, the is it downside yeah the okay downside. I'm, I'm, I'm still confused by a lot of the terminology too but it's essentially like uh an underworld where everyone is exiled to it's it's down the river everyone guess, that commits from, crimes yeah is everyone exiled that commits to, crimes gets to exiled downside. to this to this place and uh they they i guess their source of entertainment for lack of a better word, is is the the rights these these games. There's a, there's a reason why they play it. I don't want to get into that because there's there's spoilers involved with that. But um, I don't think it's a spoil. I mean, the very first right they explain to you kind of why you're doing it. Do they? Yeah. It's it's essentially your ticket out. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. It's your ticket out of the out of exile. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Where was I going with that? Oh, but yeah, like uh, every team, like there's a there's a, a group of they're called the eight scribes and all the different uh, teams that you face off against are are like based under one of the one of the scribes and kind of kind of live and strive for their for their values of the of the, of the scribes. Putting almost yep. like a, re- a religious spin on on the on the different teams, which is also neat. Well, and that's what they are. The scribes are gods, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So. so, what are your thoughts, Corey? I really did love you, Pyre. It's. Uh, did you beat it, it? I did beat it. Yeah. Hey, well done. I wanted to save it to, to say it live, but when I told you guys I had played enough, uh, what yeah. I meant by that was I beat it. So I think it's like okay. twelve to, or ten to fifteen hours or something like that, which I definitely fell somewhere in that range. Uh, but I, it's one of those rare games, and I've sort of been looking for this for a while, uh, uh, that I just couldn't put down. 
that wasn't called Rocket League, you know? Yeah. So I've really been been striving to find a game that does that. And I, I sort of knew what I wanted. I wanted some sort of role-playing game set in a fantasy world, uh, which this is. But I wasn't expecting the sports portion of it to really hook me. Yeah. And um, that is the main gameplay. You, you interact a little bit. I don't know how far you are. It's, it's a minor spoiler to say you can interact with the game world a little bit outside yeah. of that. Uh, but that is your main interaction with with the gameplay, other than, as Dan mentioned, uh, choose your own adventure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the only like my my real my only real complaint about the entire game is that I wanted to explore it more. I wanted yeah. to interact with it more. I, I mean, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, one of the strengths, I think, of the game is the writing that in that the lore of the game is bigger than the scope of the game itself. Yeah, which really helps to to make it feel alive, mm-hmm. uh, and I can all but guarantee we will see more in this universe. I just I hope so because you're you're absolutely right. It's it's a fascinating universe uh, with fascinating characters and fascinating uh, uh, races of of people. I guess for lack of a better word, uh, it's yeah. Fa- I'm I'm in agreement. I think the game's fantastic. I haven't beaten it yet, but it's only because I I think I started playing it Monday maybe. Uh-huh. Um, I, I didn't, couldn't squeeze in enough time. I probably played eight, eight or nine hours of it, I would say. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. It'll, it'll end up being, I think on my top five games, favorite games of the year. That's how yeah. much I like it. It's, it's fantastic. I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. I was thinking that too, Dan, because I mean, horizon and Zelda are obviously one, one a and one B in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't really, I mean, I, I like resident evil, but I think Pyre would definitely have to be third uh, so yeah. far on the list for this year. That's that's how much I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you were talking about the characters like they're all likable. Yeah, they all have a backstory that's always really entertaining um, mm. and endearing because yeah. they explain to you why they ended up in the downside. And it's often sad, tragic, something like that. You know, it's yep. sort of a morose tone to the game. Um, but you're all striving together for for release back into the Commonwealth, uh, away from the downside. So there's some incentive there outside of uh, selfish. Goals, yeah. Who you know? who who's your favorite character? Um, that's tough to say. Like I really liked them all. Uh, my favorite character to use was probably. Well, I don't know how far you have or how far you are in. Uh, but there's a character you get that has the ability to fly yeah. uh, with wings yep. uh, that's not an imp. Okay, yeah. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. She was my favorite character. I, I, I'll say I've I've freed two of my exiles, so that's how far along I am. Okay. Um, okay. Did you free your exile in the first? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I did not. I failed. Oh, you did? I haven't lost a match yet. I'm all yes. 14 and 0 or something, 12 and 0, 13 and 0. So, minor spoilers, but you get to a point in playing through the rights uh, where you get a freedom right. I don't know exactly what the terminology is, but it's your opportunity for if you win to release one of your exiles on your team and you choose mm-hmm. which one you want it to be. Which a lot of times is a really tough decision. I mean, it's always a really tough decision, but sometimes when you're playing 
another of the teams, they give you reasons to lose. Have you come across that? There's so many yes, shades of yes. gray. So like yeah. you, you go into the right and like somebody on the other team has a really good reason for why they need to be released and you just feel bad for them. But it's like, well, wh- which direction <laughs> do I go with this? I can throw it and let that person go. But yeah, I also have my own exiles I need to worry about. I had one match where I, I it seemed like I was going to get some information that I probably needed by letting the other team win. Yeah, uh, but I didn't. I, I beat them and I I. I I want to win everything. Like, I don't want to throw a match and just see what happens. If, if I, you know, keep, keep on the winning, winning side of things. Yeah. And there's also, I can't bring myself to throw a match. (laughs) There's also considerations outside of just being the exiles and the downside that I was thinking about in choosing who to release. Like, yeah, there's things going on in the Commonwealth um, that depending on who you release, when you release them, things like that influences what goes on in the Commonwealth. Yeah. And everybody's ending. I mean, I don't know how many endings there are, but it seems like there's a lot of different endings. So depending on who you release and when uh, influences your ending. So there's, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. There's definite, re- definite replayability there. And whenever you get a game that has a sporting event like this, like I just think the replayability is always almost infinite you know yeah because each of those events themselves are always so different from yeah any of the other ones uh there is local multiplayer too yeah uh and one thing i thought would was that this game would be perfect for the nintendo switch yeah because you could play it on one of the joy cons because the, the controls are relatively simple so you could you could have the split joy cons on either thing and play local uh local pyre I think that would be fantastic. I don't know. I, as far as I know, there hasn't been any word on a on a Switch release. I, I think it's... Is it on PS4 or coming to PS4 soon? Out on PS4 and PC. Okay. So, yeah, it is on, on, on the PS4. But, yeah, perfect for the Switch. And I wondered that, too, in playing it. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they were going for, like, the next eSport with this tournament thing. So I did a little bit of research uh, before we came on. I guess early on they had plans to do online multiplayer and they actually tested it for a few weeks, but they ended up scrapping it. And I thought the reason was pretty good. They're a small team. There's only, uh, at least in the credit credits, there were only 12 names mentioned, which is very impressive. Uh, And they said that anybody can do multiplayer, but it's really hard to do online multiplayer really well. Yeah. And they worried that whatever they implemented would not be done well online a lot of server side issues and stuff like that that would need to be worked out and they're just not staffed to do it um but one thing i thought about and i think they kind of addressed this one issue i have with a lot of these games is that in implementing multiplayer you you need to make the game work in certain ways that it hinders the single player experience uh-huh and I think we came up with a few really good examples of that. And I can't remember what they were. I know we've had this kind of conversation in the past talking about games like Metro and stuff and how we don't want multiplayer in Metro because it would ruin some of the gameplay elements that I really enjoy about Metro. Yeah, um, in, in the name of balancing and stuff. Right, you know? right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of glad there isn't, uh, at least my playthrough for Pyre, there, that doesn't exist, but maybe we'll get a version of, of uh, the rights that's a standalone game that will be for that because the game is uh selling pretty well from what i understand it's reviewing wonderfully everybody's talking about it and everybody's clamoring for some sort of online multiplayer version of the rights so 
I don't know if we'll get that. I kind of just want a bigger Pyre 2. Same same game, just not same game, but you know, same universe, Pyre 2. Um yeah. I would I would be happy with a single player that Absolutely. as well. You, you want to read Wills? Of, yeah, let's oh. let's read Wills and then we'll talk okay. about some of the uh, Sorry, Sophie's texting me. I broke I <laughs> I dropped a box of beer when I was coming up the stairs today and two of the bottles broke and got all over. Uh, it was made me miserable. Party foul. Yep. All right, Will Murtha, Pyre thoughts. I've played about 3 hours of Pyre so far and can say I really enjoy it. The first thing that stood out to me was the highlighted words during the sections of dialogue. The highlighted words, when you hover the mouse over them, tells you what the word is, so it helps provide context to the terms that pertain to the game's world. I think we've seen a version of this in other games, right? Yeah, yep, definitely. I, I can't think of what, but yeah, it, it just it goes more in-depth on like on the lore and stuff, and, and terms yeah. you need to know without without you having to go in a separate thing. Like, it's just, just right code, there. You don't have to it's go to great. a codex. You can just hover exactly. over it, and it'll tell exactly. you. Yeah. And I'm with Will that I really enjoyed that, because there is a lot of names thrown around and places and events and things like that, and it's, it's, it's not hard to keep track of them, but ain't nobody got time to remember all that stuff, so it's just right. nice to be able to hover over it and refresh your memory. Uh, Will goes on, the game does a nice job with the characters, too. You start off in the mysterious world as the reader, knowing nothing about the people you're traveling with. Sort of similar to a game such as Mass Effect. You have, he puts in parentheses, could be a bad example. You have opportunities to have conversations and learn more about everyone. I always like learning about why a character was banished. Um, yeah, so we touched a little bit on that already. Uh, the character's backstories being a really interesting through line of the game. Um, the rights are easily my favorite part of the game. What I love about the rights that each has a high stake to it because your team has to win to be able to leave downside. The tactical aspect is pretty fun and can really give you an advantage on harder difficulties. Being able to choose between one different character types lets you decide on how you want to play against the opposing team. Deciding on who to choose can be tough too, because for one night I chose to sit rookie and he gave me a hard time for it later, (laughs) which does happen. Yep. I know I or, have more thoughts. Or characters won't play, won't play with each other. It's if one of the other people on your team is playing. Yep. Some of that too. I know I have more thoughts on the game, but these are just brief thoughts that I wanted to get to you for the main segment. Also, sorry, Corey, I didn't read this. That's fine. It came out, came out just fine. Um, but in reading that, it, it sort of makes me want more like role playing games that are like this. Um, I think of games like Baseball Stars or something like that. Like there's a there's some role playing elements in that NES baseball game. That made yeah. that game really fun. And I think I think a lot more games could do this kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's the type of thing that would have to come from an indie studio. I don't think you're going to find EA making something like that. But, you know, an, an indie developer that wants to make a an old school or maybe an artistic like baseball game, you know, with, with, yeah. the, with those sort of things in that. That would be awesome. But anyway. Um. Will touched on the strategy aspect of the rights. Yeah. So the RPG, the the growth aspect of all the characters comes in two forms. There's talismans, which are items you can equip on your characters that give them certain abilities. Um, and those talismans you can level up. And then you can level up your characters through enlightenment, which is essentially your experience. Uh, and you earn that by fighting in, in the rights or playing in the rights, whatever you want to call it. 
So you can come up with some pretty cool combinations of things based on the talismans uh, and your character's abilities. So I had, uh, maybe I'm mixing up exactly who had what ability, but at one point I had a character who could fly, and I leveled up this character to the point where flying costed them almost no stamina. And I also gave them uh, either an ability by leveling up or a talisman that when they were banished, they would drop a portal to Uh their location that showed up behind your pyre. So what I would do is I would grab the ball with this character, immediately fly with it, um, and in the off chance I got hit and my character was banished, that portal would drop. So I'd immediately take another character, go through the portal preferably one of the faster characters um grab the the ball what's it called uh <laughs> it's like orb or something with. yeah orb yeah. um orb and and just sprint it to their their pyre and score Dunk. some points so that was nice i also had a talisman um one thing i focused on early on in the game was using leveling up the talisman that earned me gold every time i banished another character uh-huh. because in thinking about it, I, I sort of realized, okay, well, if I level that up early, I'll get the most benefit out of it. So it got to the point where I was getting like 20 gold every match just from banishing other players. Wow. Uh, so I had a lot of money add up. So I was able to buy Stardust, which is what you use to upgrade your talismans. So I had the one talisman that when you die, you have a X percentage chance of immediately respawning uh, in the rights. So I gave it to Jodariel, who's the big hulking demon character with the huge aura and she pretty much just played defense the whole time so i had her back there because her aura was so big and i leveled up this talisman to about 60 percent. so 60 percent of the time if she was banished she immediately came back so there's lots of little things like that you can combine characters abilities with the talismans to come up with some pretty cool combinations of of things yeah and one one of the things you have to you have to be careful of is when you get to the end of the rights and, and, and go in the, the match where, you know, you get to send one of your guys up, you lose that party member. So you you have to, you have to weigh out your, your, your options. Like who, who can I afford to lose here, but is also high enough level that they can even leave, you know? Yeah. Cause you, like I said, you, at least from, from as far as I've gotten, you lose that person for good. So it's another way, uh, balancing your options. That's what I'm looking for. It's it's interesting. There's a lot going on for us uh, surface level, like simple game, you know. Yeah, yeah. The the rights Sorry. definitely have a lot of depth, and there's a. Lot, I would love to see like two high level players playing against each other at that. I think that would be awesome to watch, you know. Oh yeah, like people who have, you know, people that play these mobas or or shooters or whatever online and have thousands of hours. Um, see what somebody does with that amount of time in Empire. <laughs> that would be, be awesome. Impressive. Yeah. But yeah. also Go I ahead. have a couple more points I wanted to bring mm-hmm. up um, just because I, I did really think the game was fantastic. The music's great. Mm-hmm. Do I that. was listening to the soundtrack earlier today. Yeah. Uh, and when you said that, I started listening to it, too. <laughs> yeah. It's on Spotify. So, yep. uh, yeah, great, great soundtrack. Uh, great voice work yet again. This is this game's from Supergiant, who did Bastion and Transistor. Mm-hmm. So that narrator uh is reappears in this game as the mc for the rights sort of the 
PA announcer, um, which is pretty cool because at some points he kind of turns against you a little bit, and at other points he's against you, and I don't know, it's kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> funny to listen funny. to. But one other thing, one one of the best parts of the game i think is the game world the the over map or whatever you want to call it just beautifully illustrated yep absolutely i would take uh wall art of all of them you know yeah it's just it's it, it's gorgeous to look at absolutely gorgeous yeah i want i want like i just want like an mmorpg or just something i can just spend time in that world and just explore and it's all uh unique i don't know it's not your typical dwarves elves gnomes you know you're not your tolkien mythology not roman greek norse like i think it's all unique right all the characters and for i mean for the most part for what i gather i mean one of my favorite characters uh at least as far as being interesting is the the worm that's a knight yeah sir galliman yeah he was the (laughs) He was the first guy I set free. Oh, was he really? Okay. I figure if you're going to set somebody free, why not the most honorable guy in your group? Yeah, I could see that. But for me, at least uh, when I was going towards the end, he he took me aside and he said, look, I don't want to be the first one to go. Really? So, yeah. See, I never got I never got that conversation. That's that's awesome. That because that yeah. was like fairly early on in the game when you get to that point, you know. Mm-hmm. So we must have had different different paths there already. Maybe um, that it's that's another part of it, too, is a lot of these characters have rivals on other teams. Yeah. That they really want to be, you know? Yeah, I think or my really, favorite. Go ahead. I think my favorite song is the dissident song, the rock song. That? That's the rock one. OK, they're, they're the like uh, chaos, like punk rock type type of uh, curse, which is the little like dog like guys. OK, yeah, that's my favorite song good stuff anyway go ahead i think that's it for me i think i i touched on everything but it's it was the the right game at the right time for me i i freaking love pyre and i really hope we get some more of it i wonder if they're going to do any sort of dlc or anything like that um i don't know did they do for did they do for any of the other games i don't don't think think so and apparently this game was their longest game in development, which is surprising because I remember when. Maybe I don't remember when they started working on it, but I remember like a couple of years ago when some of the podcasts I listened to were already talking about Pyre. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an excellent game. Uh, my I do have one brief complaint about it. It's, it's kind of stupid, but um it doesn't support widescreen. I have the black bars on the edge of my ultra wide, which is kind really? of annoying. very minor complaint. Personal preference. It, I stopped noticing it after like ten minutes in the game. So, do you play with a mouse and keyboard? No controller. Yeah, I was surprised at how easy that worked. I think that's yeah. kind of just becoming standard now because I've played a lot of cheap, not even cheap. That's not the right word, but. Uh, low budget indie games that have also supported the 360 controller yeah out of the box you know which is nice that wasn't always the case i think it supports uh, the ps4 controller out of the box too nice if if that's what you have connected to your computer that then those button prompts will show up because i mean it was it was also on the ps4 so only makes sense i guess 
Um, never mind. We already talked about it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, but good stuff. Can't say enough good things about it. It's definitely, definitely worth the, the 20 bucks. Oh yeah. I, I adore that game. Okay. Nibble bits. Sure. All right. Take it away. Uh, just a couple quickies for me, horizon zero dawn, the frozen wilds dlc whatever you want to call it launches november 7th this is the one they already announced but is set in the icy north of the horizon world will should like that yep i would like that those are that was some of my favorite scenery and that game was the the cold stuff uh and then middle earth shadow of war will have paid loot boxes um i saw I think in general, the reaction to this news was negative. I think a lot yeah. of people were upset by it. It doesn't really bother me. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, I, none of us have played it yeah. yet. So we don't really know how offensive it is. But I think one thing they noted in this blog post uh, is that no content in the game is gated by what they're calling gold, which is currency that you buy. Uh, you can actually earn a little bit of it in game two, but it's mostly going to be what people spend real world money on for in-game currency. Uh, they're calling it gold. They said that all the content can be acquired natural naturally through normal gameplay. So things aren't things aren't sectioned off based on how you earn them, which I think is uh, an important distinction. Yeah, I just I don't I'm not it doesn't bother me at all. I don't know. I I'm tired of just seeing this thing shoehorned in every game that you buy now. That's my that's my problem with it. You know, is it in? I mean, I I get it for it's online it's gonna, games. Like it's going to start being in just about every game that because they're the uh, companies are trying to figure out new ways to monetize things. I mean, this is gonna it's gonna be in battle battle the uh, battlefront two. Like does like really? Yeah, but if it's one it of doesn't those it doesn't things... it doesn't bother me that much. It's just like it's going to be in every game. Well, one of my concerns uh, for that is what's going to happen is nobody's going to make these single player games because these games that have loot boxes in them yeah. are just cash cows, you know, yeah. for people that like them. So as long as whatever is is earned through those loot boxes can also be earned in game uh, and it's a single player game, like I don't really care how other people want to do it. I mean, if. Maybe, like, if you want to spend $5 for a god mode, then so be it. Like, what's the difference? I don't know. I don't like it. It just doesn't fit into the, na- like, it doesn't fit into the narrative of the game. Like, how, do, we how don't does know that? that f- we, don't, we don't know that. Uh, but how, how would it? How would so, that fit into, I, I, into Tolkien's Middle Earth? It does talk a little bit about not fitting into Tolkien's Middle Earth, but there's a lot of things that don't fit into Tolkien's Middle Earth in this game. It's, it's supposed to be mostly canon. Right. But there's aspects of video games that aren't going to not be canon no matter what. And I just think oh, this I know. is one of them. Yeah. Um, no, my link's not working now. But essentially, there's like a marketplace. Uh, and you, I guess you can purchase orcs because you use orcs somehow. And that's like the marketplace is the way you buy those loot boxes. And it can include these orcs as part of them or whatever. Yeah. Maybe I don't I don't really know. Like we have to. S- that's my whole point. Like we kind of have to see how it's implemented. If it's the like, I'm not even sure how overwatch does it where like you beat an enemy and then you get this box that drops on screen, but you can't open it unless you spend gold. 
I don't know. No, in in over like at least as far I've never spent actual like money on the loot box type of stuff. But uh, whenever you level up in Overwatch, like you get a loot box, and then like in between matches or whatever, uh, if you're if you go back to the menu, that's where you can go back and and open it. Yeah, Beardless brings up. Uh, he says my problem. Excuse me. My problem with loot boxes is the lack of agency I have when purchasing content. RNG really bugs me. Yeah, it bugs me too, but. This is almost less offensive to me than a free-to-play game that only has, like, the RNG loot box kind of thing. So what was that Final Fantasy game that I played? Record Keeper? Record Keeper, where, like, all the cool shit you had to pay to get to get a box, but you weren't guaranteed to get what was in the box. That bothers me. Yeah. Because that game is centered around those items and those characters that you unlock by doing that. So it, that would frustrate me a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, if this single-player game, I can get through just fine and enjoy and still get all the items that are in these loot boxes, uh, then so be it. Uh, why, why not just make it so you can loot it off the enemies? I mean... Uh, well, I think that, that's it's just, what they're saying you can't. I think part of no, 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 no. I think you can earn the currency to do the loot boxes in the game. No, it said none of the. I'm, I'm trying to pull up the link because, yeah, there is a disclaimer I've, in there that says none of none of what can be earned through these boxes cannot be earned through normal gameplay. Right, but normal gameplay is that like grinding for the gold to use in the store. It, it didn't. It doesn't specify that. Okay. It just says it can be earned in the game. Yeah, I, I think part of the problem that I have with these things is I have absolutely zero interest in gambling of any kind, like whether it be for real money or in-game crap, I guess. Okay, real gambling's fun. I I don't I have I have zero interest in real gambling. Like it's just not really. It doesn't do like, anything for me. You know, like playing poker for a few bucks, or well, I like playing poker, but the money has nothing to do with it. You know. All right. <laughs> I just like playing. I won't argue with you. Yeah. I love I love when a little money's on the line. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I'd, I, never I, go, I'd never go bankrupt gambling, but I would, I, you know, obviously, if you had the chance to win a few extra bucks like that's that's fine. But then that's not what's fun about it for me. The fun is is in playing the, the game, I guess. You can still play the game, Dan. I know. It, I'm just game. I'm just annoyed. By all this loot box sound right. a little bitter. I no, I'm not super bitter about it. It's just it it's going to be in everything, and I'm just not ready for that. Just I just imagine a world where Dark Souls has loot boxes, and it's just ugh. It's a good point, uh, uh, but uh, it's today's uh, horse. It's today's horse armor, except it's worse. Is there a aspect of multiplayer in Shadow of War? Uh... Yes, there is. It's going to be like uh, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, you have your base that people can like raid and take over and stuff. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to incentivize which, you to... Which, to, again, doesn't need yeah. to be there. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I get it. Like I'm sure everybody that's making this game is not super jazzed about having to have loot boxes in the game. But they're sitting around a table. They're talking about budgets. Like, what's a good way we can make more money off of this game than just the people who are buying it to play it? 
the publisher is is having this conversation. Sure. But those people the, all saying, like saying to the developer, look, you need to we need to figure out a way to get more money out of this game. Sure. Let's put in a loot box system or I don't know. Blech. Yeah, and I would hope, however it ends up implemented into the game, and I think it will be, will be implemented with care. I hope so. Because, you know, it's it's Lord of the Rings, it's Tolkien. Like, if it's if it's ugly, I think there's going to be backlash. And I think W, the, the problem is, too, is the, the publisher is not exactly one of the one of the more well thought of publishers. It's it's WB games. Yeah, they've they've you know, they were the ones that released uh, the crappy um, Arkham Knight in the vile state it was in not running on computers and. So they're got to put, they're, it, out. They're, put they're, it out. Well, yeah, they're today's Ubisoft. So, and uh, Beardless asks the question: uh, Will Shadow of War ask for protection money? <laughs> Which I think is where we were getting at when we were talking about the Metal Gear. Yeah, Solid Five. The way that yep. multiplayer was implemented, which is yeah. silly. I, I don't. Uh, that's awful. That's yeah. why I just ignored that part of it. Yeah. But anyway. Moving on. That's it. That's that's all I had for double bits. Uh, So I got two quick ones. Uh, First is the system specs for South Park, the fractured butthole. Uh, The Destructoid article has it. Your PC could be 100 Kuriks of crap and it could still run South Park. Very low uh, specs to run it. So to run at 720p around 60 frames per second with the video presets low and vsync off uh windows 7 8.110 uh the i5 2400 or the amd fx 4320 uh for graphics cards the 560 ti gtx 650 gtx 750 950 and 1050 or the amd radeon hd 7850 r9270 yada yada rx 460 two video two gigabytes of video ram or more and six gigabytes of memory. Uh, and then the 1080p 60 frames per second specs hot with high presets are the i5 4690K and the AMD FX 8350. It's a pretty common processor. Um, same windows. And then the GTX 760, 750 Ti, 960, 1060 AMD Radeon, R9 280X, R9 380RX 470 with 2 gigabytes of video RAM or more and 8 gigabytes of RAM. So pretty low. Pretty low. Yeah. But, you know, it's South Park. It's not exactly going to be graphical powerhouse. I'm still, uh, still kicking around the idea of doing a PC upgrade at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm going to at some point, too. I, I've got to do my motherboard uh, RAM and processor, and then hopefully I will have a little bit of money left over to get a new graphics card. I don't need one, but I do need my, my processor at this point is like five or six years old. So I do need to upgrade that at some point. That's what uh, I mean. I, I'm, I've kind of been waiting for my PC to hit a wall in a game, and I haven't really gotten there yet. I mean, I don't really play a ton of graphic intensive games but yeah i still like play most games at high settings and don't have very many issues i'm also yeah. not as picky as most people i'm okay with 40 to 60 frames per second you know it doesn't <laughs> need to be 60 plus all the time i've got to be 60 but i i will take low graphic settings if need be 
Yeah. Uh, I have higher requirements too because I I on my ultra wide. Right. But I will I will definitely lower lower graphical qualities if I can get it to run smoothly. Yeah, fifty five to sixty doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, and then my other nibble bit is the Fallout for Game of the Year edition coming out September 26, 2017 for the Xbox One, PS4, and PC. It's going to have all the DLC and also the Pip-Boy Collector's editions. So if you missed out on the Pip-Boy from last time around, you have a chance to get it. I've got my Pip-Boy back there somewhere. It's on my shelf. Uh, I'm really shocked that who named the who named Fallout Four Game of the Year? I'm sure somebody 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 have to call it Game of the Year in order for them to release a Game of the Year edition. I bet you someone did call it Game of the Year. Who's the scrub? Did it get it got good reviews, didn't it? I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. I know it's not well liked in our circle, but I I actually liked it. But I don't think I called it my game of the year. Let me Would see. Two years ago, doesn't the Wikipedia article usually have awards? Yes, yeah, it should. Uh, there it is. Accolades. Game of the year award. The game received a game of the year award from the 19th ceremony of the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, also known as Dice. Oh. Among numerous nominations for the award from the Game Awards, blah blah blah. So that's the only one. Okay, that's Dice. legit though. At least it's not some that's second ridiculous. rate, some second rate uh, blog, you know, like thumbstickathletes.com. At least other people. Uh, was that Final Fantasy 15 year last year? No, I think it was two years ago. Two years ago, I guess I. Got I, don't, I don't even. I don't remember what we picked. 2015. Yeah. Life is strange. Oh, that's right. What did I have as game of the year, though? Fallout 4. I don't think so. I know. I think Fallout 4 was on my list, but I don't know that I had it first. I, I'll see if it's in my notes. But anyway, how was your week, Corey? Before we get into that, Dan, uh, okay, before yeah, I sure. forget... Valerie asked in the chat, what is the minimum cost to get a decent setup? Well, we were talking about PCs. I said 500 or so without a monitor. Um, it's been a while since I've done one of these, but yeah, you could pro- probably five or 600, I would say, would get you a decent, decent gaming computer. Um, I would like to do an episode on that. At some point, I think was Jake wanted to do wanted to, Idaho. Jake wanted a an episode on on PC gaming. I think we, we did talk about that. No, we didn't. We did do one. We didn't. No, did not we do an recently. Talking about PC specs and upgrading. No. Yeah. We did a we did a PC gaming episode like way early on, like maybe in the first twenty episodes. But obviously, that's quite a bit out of date at this point. Please do an episode on hardware. I think that would be a pretty boring episode for people that. Aren't interested? Aren't in, yeah, I would love it, but yeah. I, I think what would be more useful would be to talk about resources for building, like PC Part Picker. Yeah. The Build a PC subreddit. Those are two good places to start. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we could at least talk about our rigs and figure out where to upgrade. 
Yeah. Okay, so 2015, I had The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt for Game of the Year. Yeah. Which is it's, game. It, what? It's shocking to me that anyone would pick uh, Fallout 4 over The Witcher 3. Yeah, that is shocking. That was a terrible game. Terrible. Oh, and we talked about uh, Life is Strange. I don't know that that, well, I don't know that it would have made my list. You said it would have. I know, but I didn't know what my list was. It's, I've got Witcher 3, Fallout 4 at 2, uh, Pillars of Eternity. Eh, it might have knocked out Fallout 4. Pillars of Eternity, Metal Gear Solid 5, and then Undertale. You had Undertale in your top five? Yeah. And Pillars of Eternity? Yeah. Pillars of Eternity was freaking great. Sick, sick man. <laughs> no, Pillars of Eternity was fantastic. Obviously, Metal Gear Solid Five was fantastic too. Anyway, how was your week, Corey? Um, I have a, just a few quick things to chat about. I finally saw the Planet of the Apes movie. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of disappointed, to be honest with you. I'm a weird Closet of the Apes fan because one week or something when I was younger, maybe in high school, I watched all the Planet of the Apes movies, like even the really bad ones from the 70s and early 80s that are just about like ape family. Like they're just set in a distorted modern day USA, but it's apes instead of, it's just, they're just weird. They're like slice of life uh, Planet of the Apes movies. It's bizarre. But anyway, I've always sort of been a fan. I really like the reboot uh, and the movies from the reboot. So I was excited to go see this. Some of the reviews I've read said it was one of the best action movies of the year. Um, I think I just chose the wrong reviews to read because I did not like it nearly as much as everyone made it seem like I would. Uh There was also like a deus ex mach or yeah, God from the machine uh, ending. What are the deus? Yeah, deus ex machina. Machina. Machina, yeah. Um, the, the thing ending. that people people claim Game of Thrones and happens in Game of Thrones all the time. Yeah, we'll get into that later. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so they kind of had one of those endings, and I don't know. Like, I love the apes, but there was some there were some interesting parts of it, but it was not nearly the, the film I was expected to believe it was. And I actually read the Metacritic, and I think it's in the 60s or something like that, the score. So uh, that sounds about right to me a little bit let down by that but that's fine i mean i guess i wanted to go see dunkirk as well uh and i probably should have just gone to see that but oh well i also had one of my favorite kinds of weekends and i told my girlfriend pretty much every day leading up to friday this past weekend that i wanted to have a relaxing weekend and not do anything because it's been so long since we had one of those uh, and I was mostly successful, uh, didn't had no expectations to do anything all day Friday, uh, and all day Saturday. So I gamed all day on Saturday, which is when I beat Pyre. Um, uh, I nice. pretty much just binge played Pyre the whole day with some Rocket League interspersed here and there. And it was one of those weekends that when it was all over with, I turned around and I'm like, that was a good weekend. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just rare. Very rare. I ended up having to do some fun outside things on Sunday, but uh, it was all right because I beat Pyre. You know, I felt like I had a good chunk of game time and relaxation time. So 
that was good. But I also started watching some Twitch streams, which I don't normally do. And I'm kind of worried that I discovered that I like it because uh-huh. I could I could go down the rabbit hole watching some Twitch streams uh, late at night. I watched this one dude was playing Final Fantasy VI for his first time, um, and he only had about 10 viewers uh, the whole time. So I watched him for a while, and then the following day, I think I watched him Monday night, and then Tuesday night, I watched him again, and he was playing again. And it's it's just fun to watch somebody play your favorite game for the first time. Um, and I get why so many people are passionate on Twitch about the games that they watch other people play, because yeah. you know, it could be their favorite game. Um, so something that never really made sense to me now suddenly does, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I watched another guy play PUBG. He was not very good, but the guy he was playing with was really good. And they were doing uh, twos, and they made it to the second to last team. Uh, and it was fun to watch people who are good at PUBG play PUBG. That was pretty cool. Uh, the one guy was kind of a douchebag, the guy that was good at it. But the other guy, <laughs> of course, was, was just like a normal dude who yeah. was just doing his best to survive. And he actually... Uh, they got in a firefight, and he shot his teammate a bunch of times in the back trying to shoot the enemy, <laughs> which uh, the guy didn't notice, but everybody in the chat noticed that he was shooting his own teammate in the back. So that nice. was pretty fun. Um, some laughs there. And then I watched a couple of people play Mario Maker, which huh? at this point, and what inspired me to do that was a Reddit post that somebody had about the title was something along the lines of Mario maker is getting pretty crazy these days. And I watched it and like, I remember the year it came out, some of the levels that were being created were just incredibly difficult, but now it's just a whole other level. So I wanted to check some of that out. And I just watched people play some of the levels that they created, just trying to beat it so they could upload it. Cause you have to uh-huh. beat every level you create in order to upload it. So that was kind of boring just cause it was super repetitive and no progress. Uh, but people love watching that stuff too, so more power to them. I guess some of those guys play the levels they make for months before they finally beat it and get it uploaded. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it, to me, it doesn't even look like you're playing a platformer anymore. Like it's just, no. it, it's a dance that they do, and and one screw up and you're dead, and you got to start all over again. There's one. There's one guy that's been trying to beat his own level for months. I think it's yeah. a year. It might even be years at this point. I, I think it. he's tried like 10,000 10, times or something to beat this one level. So he can up- upload it and he, he just can't can't do it. Yeah, Crazy. that's uh, when's that coming to the Switch? That's got to be coming, right? I would think so. Maybe they're just going to go Mario Maker 2. Oh, no. Don't think so? I think I think they know they can milk a lot of people for Mario Maker on the Switch. They're going to go for mm-hmm. it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was end of this year. I would buy it. Release. Yeah. You know, they Um, can mill most of most of the Wii U games that if they re-release them on the Switch, I'll buy them because I love a lot of those games that much. And I think a lot of people are in in the same boat there. Like a lot of people just didn't get a Wii U because it sucked, but they're interested in some of those games that came out for it. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, if they did Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 on the Switch, I would buy that in a heartbeat. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. I really want to go back to. I would start all over from the beginning. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Uh, even like a Hyrule Warriors, I would probably buy again. Even I could loan you my put... Wii U, Dan, and my Xenoblade. 
the the problem is is the convenience of the switch is just impossible to top you know because even like i never got very much range with my wii u gamepad probably like six or eight feet from the unit is as far as i could go i don't know if there's a lot of interference in my house or what but i could never get very far whereas with the switch you know take it anywhere on the toilet in the backyard so hell yeah (laughs) that's why they just need a mobile oh it's called the nvidia shield yeah it's not as good it still has to be streamed through your Wi-Fi to your com- from your computer to your tablet. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, I watched... My girlfriend has been watching the whole series, and I think Eric talked about it a few weeks ago. I watched a couple episodes of The Leftovers. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm convinced that some of those episodes... I probably watched like five episodes. Some of those episodes are the greatest television ever made. Uh, and I can spoil it. I think it was season two it's old at this point the episode where he has to die to go face his demons blew my freaking mind uh i know you don't know what i'm talking about but if anybody knows what i'm talking about i was so into that and so engaged by what was going on and it was so well done um just the character and what he was going through and like and when he was dead he was in this like fantasy world where he was an international assassin it was so cool that's all i have to say about that (laughs) just wanted to throw that out there i and then it's like the that was where i started watching and then i watched a few episodes after that little story arc and then i became disinterested so maybe the series isn't for me but um those few episodes i watched were were awesome and that's all okay um, I'm trying to think if I had anything going on. I don't believe I did. I don't think I watched anything. Nope. I got nothing. Nothing, Dan? Nothing. I don't, th- I don't, I didn't get a chance to take notes again because of being busy. So I don't think I had anything to, to do for my week. Should we I've get been... into what we, go ahead. I've been trying to do a little bit better with with my note taking and getting the graphic and everything, which this week I failed on the graphic, but I still did a Facebook post. So Uh that's that's the important part. Yeah. Perfect. I've Uh, I've also stopped mowing on Thursdays, which is normally what I did. Um, So that changes the day. Me up a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, that's fine. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention for whatever reason, uh, I actually wanted to mention this at the top of the episode. And I forgot for whatever reason, last week's episode did not upload into the Google play store. So if you listen to our podcast on, uh, on the Google play music app through the podcast section, uh, for, I never showed up. So I am going to, at some point tweet the direct download link. So if you want to just download it and listen to it that way, there's definitely other ways you can listen to it, but that, you know, that's if you want to download it, I think you can even stream it, uh, from the browser, uh, on our website. So if you, if you want to do that, but, um, I actually tried looking into it for, for quite a while to try and figure out what the problem was. And just some podcasts have episodes that just won't load for whatever reason. So, we had one earlier a few months ago that only the only the first 20 minutes loaded. No idea why. Weird. Yeah, it's an, it's it's annoying is what it is. Accident. I dropped the box. 
What? Yeah, two of them broke. Yeah, sorry. That's right. Sophie was asking me why I spilled beer in the oh in the mudroom, and I was like, it was an accident. <laughs> like I didn't mean yeah. to do it. Yeah. It wasn't intentional. You didn't, you didn't smash the bottles on the floor on purpose. That she knows of. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into what we played? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to go first? Sure. Slime Rancher? Yeah, I played, as I mentioned, about 20 minutes of Slime Rancher. Uh, there's not really much to say about it. It 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 sort of feels like a first-person... What's the word I'm looking for? Not like Stardew Valley. Um, sorry, hang on. That's fine. Check, check, check. Sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah, so you, you, there's very short tutorial. Um, you show up outside your ranch and there's slimes all around you and fruit. And it tells you to pick up fruit with your little air gun, which is how you suck everything up. And then you shoot the fruit at the slimes and then they make some sort of gem, I forget the name of, uh, that you turn in for currency, and then you use that currency to build buildings. Um, what's the word I'm looking for for that type of game? Simulate, not simulation, like town builder kind of thing? Uh-huh. I don't know. I can't really think of a, a good way to phrase it, but that's pretty much all I played was just a little short tutorial in the beginning and figured out the controls. Uh, at least as of when I started, you have five uh, inventory slots, and you can suck up 20 of each item into those slots. So you have to drop things in order to pick up other things, which I found kind of annoying already. I imagine there's some sort of inventory upgrade uh, at some point. But there's also health and uh, stamina and stuff like that. So I imagine there's some sort of upgrade system there as well. Uh, that's really, there's not much more to say in my 20 minutes. I'll, I'll probably play a little bit more of it. I didn't love it, but I did like it. So I'll be curious to see what else the game has to offer. And just watching some video of it right now, it looks like there's a good number of different, uh, biomes that you can explore. So that's always a plus for me, like Mm -hmm. the forest and the desert and the volcano area and probably a snow area and stuff like that. So. Do you, think it's gonna be, do you think it's going to be disappointing after how good Pyre was? Uh, I don't know. People seem to really like it, so yeah, we'll find out. I don't know. Okay. And I think I got it through one of the Humble Bundles at one point, so... Yeah. It was one that I didn't get, because I don't have it in my library, but I do have access to your copy, obviously. Yeah. So maybe we'll do an episode on that next week. Oh, uh... One thing I did want to play was, or I do want to get, is Hellblade finally came out. Yeah. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. I'm interested so. as well. Someday. Hopefully by the end of this year I can play I it. I think it's... It's reviewing pretty well. It's not full price though, is it? No, it's 30 Supposedly short. Six, seven, eight hours. Damn. Looks cool. It does look cool. Did you play anything else, Corey? Um, more Rocket. Oh, I got my Platinum in Rocket League. Yes, you did. Finally. I don't well think done. I talked about that last week, right? I don't think so. 
what sucked about it was um, so you, you get to gold three, division three or division four, and then you rank up. But anyway, I was at that last rank before platinum and I won some awesome games and I'm like, what a great game to push me over. And then it didn't. And the game that finally pushed me over, like I was terrible in. Uh, I think I had zeros across the board and only like 200 points. So I didn't really contribute in my platinum rank, platinum ranking game, which is a little unfortunate, but a lot of the games leading up to it, I was playing awesome. So I had a pretty good run and I've managed to maintain it. Um, actually still going up a little bit, which is good because in order to earn the season rewards or whatever, you have to have a certain number of wins at platinum rank. Uh, and I'm close to that. I think I have eight wins at platinum rank in one of the playlists. So yeah. I should be able to hit that mark um, and get those. I need 12 total. So four more and I'll hit that, that rewards mark, which will be cool. Uh, and I'm actually going up in all the playlists. The one I'm struggling with, is the solo one. And that was one, uh, historically, I've been pretty good at, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just because of the way you have to play to get into Platinum and some of the higher ranks for the team um, the team games. Some of those habits you learn playing those games are hinder your solo play. I don't know. Uh-huh. Just a, a theory, but I've just been struggling. I'm like Silver 2 or something. Just <laughs> really not doing well at all. So... We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much been it. Uh, okay. Oh, I mentioned in the chat. I had a next level goal today. One of those goals you see on uh, on Reddit, like that people post. I I shot the ball real high. Uh, describing it's not going to do it justice, and I didn't save the replay. And I wish I had, but I forgot to. Um, shot it real high over the net. Immediately boosted after it like in the air uh, and then tipped my car just enough to get it on the rebound to just push it right into the net. It was beautiful. Nice. Beautiful. Mostly luck, but it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to try this uh-huh. even though I know it won't work and it worked and I was like, wow. All right. Nice. What a fun game. Yeah. Any else, Corey? That's all for me. Okay. Uh, the only thing I played this week besides Pyre was more Splatoon 2. Uh, I participated in this week's Splatfest, or last weekend's Splatfest, Ketchup versus Mayo. Um, it started at midnight on Saturday and went to uh, midnight on Sunday, so it was a full 24 hours worth. Uh, ketchup, I was Team Ketchup. Team Ketchup was not victorious. Um the splat fe- the, the the cool thing about this particular splat fest was team ketchup had red ink and uh team mayo had like a whitish yellowish so it looked exactly like ketchup and mayo on the on the splat fest in- instead of the usual like neon colors they like to use so that was kind of neat um but the the players for the team mayo were almost 3 to 1 to the players or players from team ketchup were 3 to 1 to the players from mayo so i probably played 20 splatfest matches and i bet 14 or 15 of them were against other team ketchup players so didn't have an effect on the splatfest I don't know if it considers it a wash or if it considers it you know uh, or doesn't count it at all or or what but yeah, it was uh, it was too unfortunate that there was the teams were so lopsided because, um, you know, 
people, a lot of times people just didn't care when it wasn't team ketchup versus team mayo. Um, ultimately team mayo did end up victorious for the splat fest. Uh, the three things that matter are the, the amount of players uh, votes, I guess for so, so obviously team ketchup won that and then, uh, your team battles and then your solo battles. So team mayo won those two. So they took two out of the three points and, and carried the day. Uh, and then the matches that I did play against Mayo, my, it seemed that my my team would get their butts whipped, which was <laughs> painful. Um, but yeah, that that kind of stunk. It, it took a lot of the fun out of it when you weren't playing against the other team and just playing from more people of your own team. So hopefully they find a way to address that and find some incentive to even out the teams or find some incentive for for people to to naturally even out the teams, you know. Yeah. I know uh, in a game like what was uh, Planet Side too, they they kind of incentivized uh, evenness of the teams by giving like experience bonuses to the less populated team. So something like that would be nice, but still a blast to play. I didn't play much this week, uh, only because any time I had to game, I played played Pyre. So I will get yeah. back into Splatfest once I once I beat Pyre. And who can blame you there? Yeah, Pyre's good stuff. I even hooked up the Steam link so I could play upstairs. Right. Yeah, because I I can't the ultra wide doesn't matter for this game anyway. So. Uh, and that's all I played. Feedback. I guess what uh, what's Will's ETA? Does he have any? Uh... He said he was leaving in a little bit, so he'll probably be back during this segment. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, so my wife sent in a feedback, but it's for the Game of Thrones part, so I will save that. Is it all for the Game of Thrones part? I, I think there so. was some other stuff part. in that one. Uh, okay, yeah, the yeah the first part I think is wait. Oh, I have a couple questions for you this week that were inspired by Dan playing music from Final Fantasy VI for the kids. If you had to pick one, uh, what game would you say define your childhood? Also, if you had to pick one, what game would you say has defined your adulthood to this point? Deep questions, I know, but I'll appreciate listening to your answers while on the road. Let's go ahead, Corey. Game that defined your childhood, game that defined your adulthood. Childhood, maybe... Super Mario World. Legend of Zelda. Um, Link to the Past, maybe. To the Past. I'm just trying to think, like, what games stand out. Like, what, what games, as a kid, was I just crazy about? I mean, I would think this one would be obvious. Which one? Final Fantasy VI. Well, yeah, but... We used to play as the characters in real life. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, if that's not a childhood-defining game, I don't know what Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good one. I just remember... I think it... Was I Shadow? Or was I Locke? I don't remember. I think I I probably played both of them at one point. You guys made me be like the Moogles and the weird stuff. Gow. Gow. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a good one. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else. 
I just thought of uh, Link to the Past because I remember renting that game and like trying to pull an all nighter so I could beat it before we had to take it back to the video store. Uh-huh. Uh What was the other one I said? Oh, Super, Super Mario, Mario World. Or yeah, Super Mario World. I just remember being really sick and and playing hooky to stay home to play that. Uh, I mean, EverQuest, but I was a little bit older. Teenager. Yeah, I mean, I was 16 when I started playing EverQuest. And I know that because I was old enough to drive, and so I drove to the local computer parts store and bought a graphics card to put in our computer so it could run. That was before I knew anything about computers. Uh, what about as an adult, though? Defines me as an adult. I really liked Enderall, but that didn't really define me in any way. Yeah. Life is Strange. Journey. Okay. couple options there. Flower. Flower. Braid. Braid. Uh, this War of Mine. Just trying to think what games like affected me to my core. Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, I mean, the game I probably, I guess I would have played through the most would be Mass Effect 2. As an adult, I mean, that's something I've played several times throughout my entire adulthood. Um, so that's one of them. Mass Effect in general is probably up there all of them so i think i the first one came out i was in my apartment so i was at least 20 so uh that would be adulthood guild wars 2 would be one of them uh not only did that eat my life for probably a year and eat my gaming time for a year uh but i still have uh a, a um junkie cravings for it you know like Every now and again, I'll get a, uh, a tick. And I'm like, oh, man, I I need to play some Guild Wars. Uh, and then my other one would be, would be Crusader Kings 2, because that's another one that occasionally I'll, I'll think about. And I almost slipped back into it with the Game of Thrones mod for Crusader Kings 2. I could very, heavy, very easily have slipped into just playing that for like the rest of the year. Um, but I kind of kind of cut myself off cold turkey, so... I thought of the the correct choice, Dan. What's the correct choice? To the moon. To the moon. Yeah, I mean that was that was a, an excellent game and and everything, but uh, after playing through it once, like, well, yeah, I guess that that um, begs the question. Well, how do you define define defining define defining? Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's a game that maybe influenced my existential purpose uh-huh. in any meaningful way and i think the closest would probably be to the moon it's one of those games you know how you watch those movies every now and again or read a book or anything consume anything and and it makes you kind of want to hug your loved ones a little tighter oh sure that would probably be yeah a good example absolutely of that yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like Guild Wars 2 changed my expectations, I think, uh, for for playing a lot of games and MMORPGs in particular, like 
uh, not just with the way the subscription model work, but the the activeness of the battle. Like I, I can't really play anything else um, more than a few hours here and there, you know, just because uh, because I learned that game so well and it was so active and, and involved and fun. Uh, you know, I can't really can't really play any other MMR RPGs after that. I'm sure one will come along, but that may be yeah. the last one that I end up ever playing. Nah. Eh, it might be. Dad, it's so damn time consuming. That well, that's the problem. Because uh, when I played that, I pretty much didn't play anything else, and uh, I missed out probably on a lot of a lot of things. And I know now that I would miss out on things uh, just because I have less gaming time than than ever before. So I have to make the hours that I do play stuff count. I've been asking for it for years, but they need an MMORPG with a mobile tie-in. Imagine like Knights of the Old or uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic with tied into like Galaxy of Heroes in a meaningful way. You know? Yeah, yeah. Some sort. So you of... can play it when you're pooping right. or yeah at work when you're supposed to be working and you just yeah. want to play games on your phone instead. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so I'll save that one. If Will comes back in time for feedback, well, he can he can answer that too. Uh, the next one is uh, yeah, the rest of that again. That's for my wife. Uh, is for the Game of Thrones spoiler stuff. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, so the next one is from Tate in Utah, who says, "Hey guys, I love your podcast. I listen to you every day at work without fail. It helps me get through my boring days. I've tried to listen to other gaming podcasts just for a different view of things, and I can never get through a full episode. You guys are more relatable, whereas your brothers. Uh, I know Eric is a friend, but he seems like a brother to the rest of you, to me. Uh, and I have two younger brothers, and we all love video games. I played college football, just finished my senior year, and I've been into sports my entire life. So it's fun to hear you guys discuss sports, even though it's mostly hockey, which is not big over here in Utah. You guys are fun to listen to, and I will continue to do so. I have a couple questions. One, do you have any any tips on getting the best ending to Mass Effect 3? I'm playing through them for the first time right now because of you guys talking about them, uh, and I'm addicted. It's all I think about at work. Two, Recommend any type of adapter to get my Nintendo 64 to connect to my Vizio HD TV. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thanks for lifting my spirits at work every day. Tate from Utah. Thanks, Tate. Uh, welcome to feedback. I always try to. I always try to remember to welcome new new feedbackers to feedback. Yeah, it's nice nice to hear from. Uh, I mean, we like hearing from our regulars too. But and um, thanks for the kind words. Yeah. Well, if we don't hear from new people, we have no. We have no like context of of how many people like actually listen, you know, because we do have a lot of downloads of people that don't interact with us. So it's nice to nice to hear from everyone. Yeah, like point zero five percent. Yeah, that's that's what it <laughs> boils less. down to is how many people we hear from. Yes, from from our uh, actual downloads. I know all the all the downloads aren't people who listen, but, um, you know. At least a large portion of them are. Uh, so first one, tips on getting the best ending to Mass Effect 3. Do everything. I mean, I can't... I'm trying to think back. I know I got the best ending, right? Yes. Yes, you did. Um, you have to make sure your galactic readiness is at, a, is at 100% when you go to finish the game. Uh, that's done through the multiplayer, uh, which... 
when I played through when I played Mass Effect three, it was before uh, again recently was before Mass Effect Andromeda came out. And there's actually a fair amount of people playing the online. I, I don't know if there's other ways to do it. You might be able to play by yourself through that, but make sure your galactic readiness is all the way up. Uh, and yeah, like Corey said, do everything, do all the side missions. All that stuff helps with your galactic readiness. Make sure that's f- full up. Um, the renegade so, options are important here too. Yeah, uh, I'm reading right here though, Dan, and it says uh, galactic readiness is not the deciding factor on whether you get the perfect ending. It has to be 100 percent though, because otherwise you lose. If it's if it's not all the way up, you lose you lose people, and and even Shepard might not even make it all the way to mm-hmm. the end if your galactic readiness isn't up. Okay, I trust you more than. Most. Well, no, that that they're right, but. I know if your galactic readiness is low enough, everyone just dies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mass Effect. Uh, Type of adapter to get my Nintendo 64 connect to my Vizio HDTV. I'm pretty sure you can find those sorts of things on Amazon. Like an RF to HD switch adapter. I'd look right now, but I don't want to be distracted, so maybe... Corey can what are we looking for rf to hd yeah do like nintendo 64 hd adapter or something uh i know there's things those things exist on amazon i've i've seen it did yeah there's dongles for everything rfu adapter for the nintendo 64 game system yeah that might work yeah something like that yeah, am, look on Amazon. You'll, you, I guarantee you'll find what you need. I don't know what kind of ports are in your your Vizio uh, TV. So, some of them don't even have the like all the RF cables and stuff. Uh, some of them only have HDMI. Uh, but you, you should be able to find what you need on on Amazon, and and it'll be cheap too. Uh, just make sure you look at reviews because a lot of times, like uh, those things will come out of China and they like barely work, or they'll work for one or two times. Uh, and then not anymore. So just you know, read a couple of reviews and make sure you're getting a, a decent, decent dongle, as Corey said. Why don't um, why don't they make adapters that push the signal like over the air? I don't know. More complicated tech. Is it? Yeah, because you would have to. I mean, you would have to have. Well, yeah. Especially with gaming, with wireless. Yeah. It's it's just there's latency. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. That would be the major issue. Especially just pushing pushing video yeah. over the air. Um I mean that those things do exist, but Yeah, the only issue with these kind of dongles is they're always third party, so sometimes they just don't work. They suck, yeah. Yeah, read reviews, definitely. And even like even a lot of times official products will be like fake knockoffs. I remember reading a lot about that for the Xbox 360 uh, wireless adapter. If you ordered them from Amazon, a lot of times it was not a Microsoft product. It was a cheap uh, Chinese knockoff and barely worked or but some people would get cheap, cheap Chinese knockoffs that worked fine, too. So even though they were supposedly ordering the official Microsoft wireless Xbox 360 controller adapter. You just never know. Yep. 
I, I've heard of people getting fake uh, like hair, like curling irons and stuff. I guess that was a big issue on Amazon for a while. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Never buy a VCR off the street. It's probably filled with books. Filled with books, yes. Uh, so thank you again. Uh, thanks for writing in, Tate. Appreciate it. Uh, next is from Tito. Tito says, my only advice for Corey when it comes to Rocket League is to practice in between matches. Definitely use the free to play to do certain exercises or free play to do certain exercises. The main one I do is keeping the ball on the roof of my car as I drive around. This helps with control. I also like to do the pro aerial training and turning my car upside as I do aerials. This helps me learn to control my car no matter how it's facing. Excuse me. The great thing about Rocket League is the immediate feedback you get as you progress. Progress. You mentioned the last episode, and it's very true. You can see and feel yourself improving as a player when all of a sudden you can pull off a maneuver you've always been working on. Another thing I noticed is taking a few days break actually helps me a lot. I remember reading about better ways to study, and the article mentioned taking long breaks can help retain more information, letting your brain rest so it can actually absorb the info and practice you've been consuming. Also, I'm used to ignoring toxic players, and for some reason, and if for some reason I can't, I mute the individual people who bother me too much. It just feels like you're playing against bots once they can't say anything to you. And then he writes in a second one. More importantly, Corey, I see you're collecting crates, but you have no interest no interest buying keys to open them. I will trade you keys or even some of my cool items for the crates you've been accumulating. Have your people call my people. <laughs> Tito, I do I have a ton of crates, like forty of them, or some some ridiculous number. Nice. Uh, I came close to actually buying some keys this weekend. I well, I mean, it's a, it's the type of thing where you've gotten a lot of playtime out of that game. It cost you. I don't. Did it cost you anything? Did Eric buy it for you? Eric bought it for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, he yeah I have too. like 330 hours or something in it. Yeah. So it, you know, if you spend a few bucks to buy keys to open crates, like you're supporting the developer of a game yeah. you love, I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, that, and that was my thought process, but yep. uh, we'll see. Maybe I, I've people always offer to trade in matches too, and I never do it. But maybe I should just trade trade up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, regarding toxic players, I so I don't mind when it's the other team giving me shit. I actually welcome it now. I used to hate it, but now it doesn't really bother me. What I hate is when your teammates get on you, uh, mm-hmm. which I've said before. And there's been some like instances where I know people are just trying to get a rise out of me. So I played this one three on three match with these two guys who were on a team and I was doing by far the best on my team, like score wise. And the guy just just in team chat messages me or yeah, messages uh, the team in referencing me. He says master rank my ass because that's what my level is on uh, level 50 something, which is the master tier uh and i just replied by saying you don't have to be a master to to or you don't being a master doesn't mean you're any good you know kind of self means you play a a little bit right uh and he's like clearly but then he just kept riding me the whole game and it's like what do you like what can you do like i said i i outplayed the two other guys on my team by like far and away um had like 500 more points than both of them one guy was just giving me shit the whole time. And I, I guess the answer would be to just mute him. Um, but the reason I don't like to do that is because if at any point I get 
some sort of redemption. So there's I, when I do solo duel, um, guys are always trying to get under your skin by talking shit. This one time, I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast before, but the guy was beating me like four to nothing, like watching all his replays, look at my celebrations, you suck, easy, like everything under the sun. And I ended up coming back and beating him um, by like eight to four. Like I scored eight goal, unanswered goals. And I just, I didn't say anything to the, I just let him talk shit the whole time. Uh, and then at the end of the match, I said something along the lines of, uh, just an, another obnoxious amateur down. <laughs> bring, on, bring on the next one. And that really set him off. And that, that's made me so happy to do that. Like, nice. And I was in the right. I've also, like, when guys are assholes and I beat them, uh, I always comment at the end, like, I won and I'm not an asshole. What a good day. Kind of, like, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, you just wait and hopefully win. And then, you know, whatever you say is going to piss them off. So that's that's kind of why I don't like to mute people. Um, I just hate the teammate. Toxicity. I don't. And I I've, just don't. I've, I don't. I don't get it. Like what? 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 Know. What's the thought process there? I I really don't is, know. Is there one? I think like people are just down on themselves, so they pick Flash another people. Out. It always happens when your team is doing worse than the other team. Very rarely. I mean, it's happened a couple times, but very rarely am I on a team that is beating the other team, and your team gets toxic. Uh, and when that happens. I if I'm not on the receiving end of it, I always try to defuse it and tell the other guy to shut up, like, you know, stand up. And even if I'm on the other team and I see the other team being toxic amongst amongst themselves, I always try to stand up for the the guy that's bearing the brunt of it. Um, Or if they say, like, offensive things, I've just started reporting people. Uh You know, why not? Well, I mean, we talked about that either last week or the week before, but. You know, Psionics does not, you could say you any game, they don't want that type of player in their game, giving the people that play their game once in a while a hard time for not being good at it, you know? Um, that's just not a community what you want to embrace. So reporting right. is, is the way to go. Because, like, yeah. I wouldn't mind playing Rocket League on occasion, but I don't want to get in, like, I, I don't have time, to that much time to play video games. So the last thing I want to do is get into a match of Rocket League, get a ration of shit from people because I don't play ever. Yeah. You know, I'd just rather play something else that's yep. that I don't have to worry about that. And that's like it's also it's just part of I don't know. I've also started saying like if people give me shit, I'm like, all right, well, sorry, I'm not bet like teammates. I'm like, sorry, I'm not better. I don't know what you want me to do about it. Because what do they want me to do about it? Like, sorry, you got matched up with me. Sorry, I'm not as good as you expect me to be. Sorry, I made a bad play. Uh, It's part of the game. Like, I've earned the rank that I have. You know, I'm probably, I know I'm not as good as some of the people that have the same rank. But I also know I'm better than some of the people that have the same rank. It's just, it's matchmaking. I, I don't know what sort of joy people get out of razzing their teammates. I, I really don't know. Yeah. It's got to be like it's got to be mental illness. I think so. I think that's part of it. Definitely. I I also think like. um, I've started saying. Oh, shit, I forgot. Lost my train of thought. I can't remember now. Anyway, I had another go to thing that I would say um, that always seemed to work when when teammates were giving you a hard time. But I forgot what it was. Certain use case, but I can't remember now. Oh, well. Okay. Yeah, it's I don't know. I, I'll never understand that mentality because 
you know, even a, a game I happen to be good at, if I had a teammate that wasn't pulling their weight, like I never even would say anything. Yeah, it's frustrating. I get it. Sure. Oh, like, yeah, um, I get angry and I'll um, probably swear to myself, but I'm not going to I'm not going to lay into that person to make yeah. them feel bad about themselves. You know, it's, I don't know. And, maybe, and, maybe, maybe I lack. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. Too much yeah. empathy. Yeah. And I also uh, really dislike the like coaching that people try to do, too, if their team's yeah. not performing. It's like, first of all, when that happens, it's it's the guy who's doing the coaching is never like that much better than everybody else. Uh, he's just looking for some sort of validation for the game that we're sucking at. Uh, and the people he's trying to coach aren't going to listen to him. It's just, a, it's just a waste of time. Like for this brief game, like we're sucking, just take it, you know, yeah. we can forfeit, you know, it, it's not. Yeah. Tito says coaching is normal in team sports and it absolutely is, but this is a five minute rocket league match with a bunch of people you are never going to play with again. Like, I don't know. I just think it's a waste of time. Yeah. Okay. I've never, I've never seen somebody coach and then have any sort of that come to fruition in any sort of meaningful way, you know, have it be effective at all. Yeah. Like it's one thing if the team is just doing horror, like chase, ball chasing and everything and yeah it doesn't hurt to say like hey you know somebody's gotta stay back let's rotate a little bit more stop chasing the ball but like i don't know when when coaching is a reaction to a bad play then it i don't it's just not effective right i don't know if that's everything for feedback um oh i mean uh i meant to respond to this i'll probably email her but uh, Amanda has asked us a couple weeks in a row if we have uh, she's got game codes that she doesn't want or need. So she asked us if we want to put them in our giveaways. Corey. Yeah, we should uh, come up with a fun way to implement that some somehow. OK, but yes, we will. We will take them. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I'll email you in case you don't listen to this like tomorrow. Um, I've been meaning to respond for a couple weeks now. And of course, I just never. Never do. So, uh, that being said, do we want to do our giveaway? Yeah. Is Val, uh, part of the giveaway or no? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about Amanda? Uh, yeah. Cause yeah, was the fourth. Yeah. So that's six days right. ago. Yeah. So we've got Tate number one, Tito number two, Val number three, Amanda number four. Correct. All right. Random number generator one through four. And the winner is number two, Tito in L.A. All right, Tito. Uh, Wait, wasn't Tito three? Tito was two. Val was three. Okay. One through 211. First game up is 77. Mirror's Edge. Mirror's Edge. Next game up. 105. Hammerwatch. I enjoyed Hammerwatch. Yeah, that's two decent games so far. Game number three. 171. Trey. 
Medal of Honor, the I think 2015 Medal of Honor. That did not review very well at all. But oh, at really? That, name. That, hmm. Is that like the that was like the reboot or something? Yeah. Uh, Thirty four. <laughs> the Secret Order Three: Ancient Times. It's point and click. I think it's a point and click. Uh, and the last one, number 15, Mordheim, City of the Damned. Oh, okay. So your options are Mirror's Edge, Hammer Watch, Medal of Honor, The Secret Order 3, Ancient Times, and Mordheim, City of, what did I say? Something. Secret Order 3, Ancient Times, Mordheim, City of the Damned, I think. Yes, that sounds right. City of the Damned, yes. That's a game I wouldn't mind adding to my library because I'm pretty sure it's on my Steam wish list. And we have to send Cameron two games that he won. Yeah, wasn't... He said he wanted... Monaco, Monaco. and... That's mine, right? Crisis 2? Yeah. Uh, Monaco is yours, yeah. Okay. I have Crisis 2. Okay. That's why I'll send that when we finish. I think Crisis 2 is actually through EA, EA's origin. It is. So, a little different. Well, but. I think Crisis and Crisis 2 are on Steam also. That might be an origin version. I'm not sure. Could be. And then, uh, I know Crisis 3 was, was origin only. Also, uh, Alex still has an outstanding pick of games too that he won guacamole slime son a virus named tom action hank rhyme Berta, and greed corp okay yeah that's from right. weeks ago anything else i guess will is not joining us then that's it for will i, w- I would assume at this point uh he's not gonna make it unless he wants to join us for game of thrones I'm doubtful he was supposed to watch game of thrones give yeah, us updates right. No way. Doesn't seem like Will's kind of show. No. Okay. Uh, so next week, possibly Slime Rancher. Other than that, I'm not sure. I probably won't be able to buy Hellblade before then, because otherwise that could be our game. But Yeah. I'm going to try and do some streaming this week, too. Okay. I just need to pick I- the right game. Yeah. I would like to get back into streaming, too. Oh, we need to figure out uh, Extra Life. Because I do plan on doing Extra Life this year. Oh, that's coming up. What's the date? It's it's usually in November, early November. So I, I want to do it this year because uh, my twins are old enough. You know, they'll be over one, so it won't. It's not going to be. Oh yeah. As as big of a deal if I take twenty four hours off. I'm I'm definitely doing it. So we'll have to figure out the logistics of all that. All right. I would like I would like if we can do uh do it over three days again. Yeah, spread it. Yeah, spread it out. That was nice. Yep. Yeah, I wonder if Eric's going to take part. Probably not. Yeah, I know he's been adulting too hard lately. He, yeah, he's he's had a hard time getting time off of work too. Right. And you just moved it's into just, his house and just a grown ass ba- man. Ba- baby, <laughs> baby on the way. Grown ass man. I, <laughs> I always, I always say grown ass man. A grown ass man. Yeah. 
like an ass man, you know, a guy who likes asses. uh, The same inflection when you say South Park, the fractured but whole. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. uh, That'll do it for episode 316. Oh, before I before we do that, uh, if you're into Game of Thrones, we'll be doing our Game of Thrones spoiler thing for the season seven, episode four. Uh, After the outro, obviously, that contains spoilers. So don't listen if you're not interested in having it spoiled for you. That'll do it for episode 316 of the Thumbstick Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Dan. Corey. Thanks for listening and get out of my basement. All right, everyone, this is uh, mine and Corey's next installment of our Game of Thrones uh, recap and discussion. We uh, are going to be talking about Season 7, Episode 4, The Spoils of War. This episode was actually leaked early, uh, maybe three or four days, five days before uh, before it actually came out. It was available on the Internet. You didn't watch it early, did you, Corey? No, no way. Okay. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I may have if it was a full-on 1080p copy, but it was low resolution. It was, I think, 360p was the best one people were able to get their hands on. I'm just not going to watch Game of Thrones that way. Uh, it, plus, it's, it's illegal. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it illegal to watch it? Like, if someone put it up on YouTube, or is it just legal to steal it and p- put it up on your YouTube channel? I've always understood you. it as a legal gray area. Uh, right. watching pirated content. I think if you're not downloading it, if you're streaming it, there's a difference. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but either way, I held out. Uh, I didn't want to because I had read a couple like, not spoiler stuff, but uh, like previews of people that had seen it and everyone said, oh, it's a, an amazing episode. So I was like, oh man. And I have a hard time waiting as it is between the between the episodes. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, so we'll, I think we'll start a little bit out of order. The article I'm going by starts at uh, Winterfell. I think at this one, this, does this episode start with... Uh, it does. It starts um, outside Highgarden, right? With, I don't uh, recall. I think it starts outside Highgarden with uh, Jamie and Bronn. We finally get to hear from Bronn, which is nice. Uh, he's given Jamie a bit of a hard time because Jamie's in a foul mood, obviously, with last week's revelation that the Queen of Thorns had had been the one to poison and kill Joffrey. Uh, he seemed a bit sour about that. So Bronn was giving him some shit. Uh, <laughs> said, uh, what, did the Queen of Thorns give you one last prick in the balls before she left? 
And yeah, that's uh, exactly what happened. Oh, but it was good to hear from Bron. Uh, you, he hadn't had, I don't think, a word all season. Very, very little screen time. Uh, one of my favorite characters, so it was nice to nice to hear from him again. Nothing really important in that scene other than Bron complaining a little bit that he didn't get his castle. Um, and then Randall Tarley and uh, Dickon Tarley and, and Bron are headed out to uh, spur Dickon. on the farmers. Dickon, yeah. <laughs> I think Bron pokes fun at the name a little bit, right? Yes, he did. He he laughed when he heard it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Winterfell. Uh, first scene, Littlefinger visiting Bran. Uh, gives Bran the Valyrian steel dagger that was used to murder or a, a, attempt to murder Bran when he was. I guess it was the second or third episode. Um. He doesn't really uh, doesn't react. Bran's kind of. He's pretty much dead, I guess. I've decided. Um, not dead, dead, but dead emotionally. Doesn't he ask where the dagger came from, or something like that? Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't he know yeah. that? He would know that. Um, Bran asks him what, who 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 it belonged to. Uh, Littlefinger says he doesn't know, uh, but he said that that very question is what started the War of the Five Kings, which is the case uh which is interesting uh but they you know they talk a little bit about it and uh you know little fingers asking uh bran about his you know see sort of the stuff that he saw and uh or said the what's it like to come back to all this chaos and uh bran looks up at him and uh says chaos is a ladder which is a callback to uh a little finger line from the first season uh definitely startles him he gets that uh not sheepish look but surprise look on his face which you don't see from little little finger all that often well we've been, uh, been seeing a ton of it this season Starting yeah a little a, a little bit more a little bit more than usual um but uh, yeah i think he kind of doesn't know what to do and i think that's why it's what bothers me for some reason this little finger plot line is really bothering me uh, yeah. this season I, I think i've made that known but uh-huh. the starks are notoriously dumb yeah and all of a sudden little fingers having issues manipulating them it just seems so out of like so random he was just on this this war path and continually success after success after success and it just seems like we don't really know what his plan is but whatever it is isn't working i don't know yeah is it not working or is it just not apparent what he's what he's doing now both that's kind of that's kind of where I'm where I'm at is is he's he's I think he's kind of playing it safe now. I think he knows he's he could potentially be in a little bit of danger. But like of all people, the Stark should be the easiest to manipulate. And he seems. To yeah, it's difficulty. No, but I mean, the, the the one he could manipulate the easiest would be Sansa. But Sansa knows, you know, knows his his bag, knows his tricks. Yeah, because uh, she spent quite a bit of time with him. So I, I, I think he realizes he can't at least at least as easily as he did before manipulate her uh, Bran, On the other hand, Bran is not not Bran. So uh, I think maybe he was going for a little manipulation there. Um, but the the chaos is a ladder line kind of threw him off, I think. Uh, that that's what the impression that I got anyway. Uh, and then uh, Mira comes in and says, says goodbye to Bran. Uh, he's like, okay, bye. 
Uh, I don't need you. He says something like, or she asks him if, she, you know, you obviously don't need me anymore. And he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, she gets upset. Understandably so. Uh, you know, she went through hell to keep him alive and lost her brother, lost Hodor, lost Summer. And he doesn't seem affected by any of that. Uh, but he says, I remember what it was like to be Brandon Stark, but I remember so much else now. So it seems to me like he's having trouble uh, dis- distinguishing uh, like Brandon Stark's thoughts and memories from other thoughts and memories that are from other people. Right. I really like that line. Um, Cause he says something along the lines of, I, I remember being Bran, but now uh, I remember so much more. Yeah. You know, and, and I want to say I can relate to that. I can't relate to that, but at that point I kind of got it. I'm like, okay, Brand's still in there, but so is a lot, a lot of other things. Of other people, you know. So it's no longer <laughs> yeah. like I get why he's not himself anymore. Yeah, and, and people really, really have been giving Brand a hard time. But like, I, I like, like you, I, I kind of get it. Like, I, he didn't get the training, the full training that he was supposed to. So I think he's having a real hard time keeping everything straight and separate and compartmentalized. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think he is having trouble separating Bran from the rest of what he quote unquote remembers. And it it seems like he's being cordial to his family because he knows like this is family. This is, this is the family of the person who once occupied this body. Yeah. And and for that reason, you know, maybe that's, he's going to look out for them for that reason. But that's the only reason because he is so many other people now that it's just, he's not Bran. Yeah. Uh, and then Arya makes her way to uh, to the gates of of Winterfell. Uh, tries to get in. The guards don't let her in. This is a this is a funny scene. You know, they they kind of just tell her, you know, get the get the fuck out of here. Arya Stark, full of crap. They tell her she's dead. Arya asks for a couple people from the castle that she remembers uh, from a long time ago. They're obviously dead. Um, so they bring her in and tell her to, to wait right there. Uh, she looks around uh, and they, you know, have a little conversation. Uh, one of them threatens to hit the other one as hard as he can in the face. <laughs> and then they turn around and Arya's gone. So they report to Sansa, uh, you know, telling, telling Sansa what, what they saw. And Sansa's like, I know where she is. So finds her in the crypt. Uh, and we see the final reunion of Arya and Sansa after very long time final reunion do you know something i don't no i mean finally oh. reunion i guess gotcha. not final. um yeah i mean they never really liked each other so it's it's a little bit awkward of a reunion um they fought all the time from this from the very first episode of the show the, the handful that they were together they fought all the time uh yeah, they, they kind of compare, not really, but compare stories. Uh, Sansa finds out about Arya's list, her kill list, uh, which is which is interesting. She kind of doesn't know how to how to take that, but they end up having a nice hug at the end of the scene. Uh, what did you think of their reunion scene, Corey? Eh. Yeah. Awkward. It was awkward. Unfulfilling. I, I didn't think, think there was, was un- any information that came out of it, was there? No. Just the, that they're... Reunion was awkward and unfulfilling. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's the takeaway. But rightfully so. You know, I mean, after what they've been through. 
Uh, and as I said, didn't necessarily part on good terms. I think it was Ned that said not to stab his, not, not Ned telling Arya not to stab her sister with her, her needle. Um, so yeah, that was okay. Uh, Arya. Oh, uh, then Sansa takes Arya to see Bran. They hug. Bran gives her the dagger. Uh, Bran knows what she's been up to too, by the way. He knows she was in the, in the Riverlands. Uh, he was, seemed surprised that she didn't go to King's Landing. Um, and uh, also knew about her kill list, which was which was kind of neat. He gave he gives her the uh, Valyrian steel dagger that that Littlefinger gave Bran uh, because obviously he doesn't need it. He's in a wheelchair and a cripple, and it would be a lot more valuable for Arya to have. Uh, I feel like he's giving it to her for a reason that we'll oh, yeah. see at some point. Uh, I think that was fairly fairly obvious. Who knows what that might be? Maybe she's going to be the one to assassinate the Night King by ramming the Valyrian steel dagger into his heart or something or cutting his throat. I don't know. But it seemed like he gave it to her for a purpose. Yep. Maybe um, she can wear the face of a White Walker and march in there and assassinate him. People have wondered if that's something that can be done. I don't know. We'll find yeah. out. If she can take the face of uh, uh, one of the one of the zombies, so to speak, and infiltrate there. Also, can't Bran do his little mind meld thing into anybody? Uh, warging into people? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the limitations are that. I wonder if he could do go into Hodor because he did in the past. Maybe he right. can't just warg into any person. Uh, or if it has to be like simple-minded person, maybe. Well, he was also... Wasn't it implied that he was warging into the giant in the that first scene? Where they were marching, maybe. Remember, because he was er, yeah, doing yeah, his he, little thing. Yeah, he that they zoomed into the eye when when it zoomed out onto Bran, the blue eyed giant. Yeah, named McCumber. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't anyway, know. Maybe. Sorry, that's tangent. No, that's fine. Uh, and then one of my favorite scenes from this episode. Uh, there's a lot of good scenes in this one, but it was one of my favorites. Uh. So yeah, Arya. Or Brienne and, and Pod are kind of training and sparring, and Pod's getting his his face beaten by Bran as usual. Uh, but it seems to be getting a little bit better. He's learning, you know. Uh, and Arya comes along and challenges Brienne. She wants to train with Brienne because uh, Brienne beat the Hound in, in single combat, so she wants to train with her. So they square off. Uh, Arya and Needle versus Brienne, and probably a training sword. I can't imagine it was her Valyrian steel sword. Uh, it's a fairly tight match. Uh, a couple times Arya got the better of Brienne. Once or twice Brienne got the better of Arya, and that the they end with each other's swords on each other's throats. Uh, it was a kind of a good good battle. Um, Brienne asks Arya where she learned how to do that. Arya, of course, says no one. So, what was the point of this scene? Yeah, I think for me, for me, it was. I mean, I think it was for Sansa to see what Arya had been through. Obviously, uh, she didn't see like all the stuff Arya did, but Arya is the you know because Brienne is a you know uh, an accomplished swordswoman, uh, and you know Arya was equal to the task, I guess. You know, uh, right. so that that showed Sansa, and to a lesser extent, I think Littlefinger, the stuff Arya is capable of now. 
Do you think that was Arya's intention, though? It wasn't Arya's intention. wanted them to know? I th- I don't think so. I don't, I'm don't. i not even sure she knew they were there at first. Um, because her, you know, her and Brienne had a moment earlier on when right before the Brienne fought the Hound. So I think she, you know, wanted to test her metal against the woman that beat the Hound. And I think there was a little bit of that. That's okay. I'm glad you said that because that was the only thing I could think of that made this scene meaningful for me. Um, was the tie back to the Hound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That Otherwise, was I was thought. like, that was my thought. Eh, this seems a little forced, but I, I can see that side of it. But that was that was the only thing I could come up with. Yeah, because, I mean, if she can get the better of Brienne, then she might be able to get the better of the Hound, too. Yeah. You know. I thought she was good will. stuff. Um, and then uh, Arya gives Littlefinger a look before um, before he walks off, too. Uh, I think that's important because I don't know if you remember, Corey, but when Arya was uh, Tywin's cupbearer, there's a scene with with Tywin and Littlefinger and La- Littlefinger sees Arya. And I, I'm almost positive he recognized who she was uh, and didn't give her away at that point. Do you remember that, Corey? No. Oh, yeah. It was when uh, Littlefinger was setting up an alliance between the Tyrells, a marriage, I guess, between Joffrey and Marjorie, and setting up an alliance between the Tyrells and the Lannisters early. I think it was might have been season two. And that was when Arya was was Tywin's cupbearer and she was trying to hide from him. But he you know, he could you could tell he was trying to see who she was and probably I think I think he knew that it was her but didn't didn't give her away okay uh moving on ah dragonstone so john john still in dragonstone obviously takes uh denaries into oh denaries and Missandei have a moment where the you know danny briefly uh questions Masande and what happened between her and Sansa or not Sansa Grey Worm uh, she says something you know teehee they have a little giggle about it and uh, <laughs> John but John interrupts their uh, their thing and wants to show her the cave of the dragon glass before before he starts mining it so he uh, takes Daenerys in there uh, there's a bunch of cave artwork of from the uh, children of the forest um there's children of the forest working together with men to defeat the the army of the dead and the night king um so it's kind of john's way of proving that this is something that's older than or it's been around for a long time and uh, i don't know if it's not it's not necessarily proof but uh lends some credence to his his argument about the survival of of everyone against the night king and how they need to work together i also the children of the forest dead. I think so. I got that impression that they all died protecting Bran. Yeah. Uh, when Hodor died. Were there. Yeah. But I mean, there might be some elsewhere. I don't know. Right. I got the impression it was the last of them, but yeah. So there's that. I thought they were going to, this is where they were going to bang. Stup. <laughs> yeah. They were, they got pretty close to each other, looked deeply into each other's eyes. Um, nice John, John's had the light. Yep, John's had some some success in caves before. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was the first time he banged Egret. So thought thought it was going to happen then, uh, but it doesn't. So they go outside. Well, I mean, do, did you have any 
commentary on on this, Corey? No, no. Okay, yeah. Uh, they go outside, and Tyrion's there to report that they had taken uh, Casterly Rock, but the bad news is, is uh, it was uh, kind of a sham, and all the the Lannister armies went to take Highgarden and take out uh, the Queen of Thorns and take all the crops, all the supplies from the Reach that Daenerys was going to get, uh, and that the Unsullied were stuck at Casterly Rock. Uh, so she gets angry. She yells at it, Tyrion and accuses him of protecting his family, which I thought was interesting. Uh, we had talked last week about him potentially being a mole for his brother and sister. Uh, I don't know that that's the case after seeing that this week, but I thought it was interesting. She uh, she brought that up. Yeah, I don't I don't see it. Yeah, I had a really good reason for why not to. And now I can't remember it. Damn. I specifically thought of it and said, oh, I have to remember to bring that up in this. Yeah. We talk in our summary here, but I totally forgot what it was. That sucks. Yep. Maybe I'll think of it. Keep going. Okay. Uh, oh, so she asked John what he would do, uh, which I thought was smart because John is a an accomplished uh, battle commander. Obviously, Tyrion's plans haven't worked out that well so far. Uh, it doesn't seem like anyone, you know, Grey Worm's gone, so they don't really have anyone else to uh as that's a good commander you know so to speak of of armed forces you know so she asks john uh he says you know people you brought back dragons so people think you can do the impossible if you start burning down their cities and killing innocent people they're not they're gonna think you're no different than anyone else just more of the same so thought that's that was interesting uh good way to get around um having dragons burn down the cities, which is very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very expensive. Uh, and then John and Davos are, uh, Davos accuses John of, of, uh, given, given, making eyes at, at Daenerys. Uh, they talk to Masande a little bit. There's your mole. That's what, that's what I thought too. That's, that was my primary guarantee. I'm guaranteeing it. Okay. Let's, uh, let's hear the reasoning before we go further. I don't really have a good reason other than thinking about storytelling. Okay. What's her arc? The, yeah, it's only that she was a slave and uh, she was purchased more or less when the Unsullied were purchased. But there's no arc. That's her history. That's her past. She's right. just been this character who's been in the background, right? Yeah this whole time and I, the relationship with gray worm but that's more gray worm story i think yeah yeah um she's she's got to be the mole okay i mean that's who i thought initially um that's who i picked pegged but but like what like why who's she support like why is she the mole and why like who's who's i don't know what she get out of it you know i don't know but that's like that's the only thing interesting way they can take that character i think at this point okay. yeah i mean me and my, my wife mentioned it a few times but like is, how is she so like learned you know if she was just a slave girl she knows 15 19 languages like it just that's just well, weird it's twice now where davos has asked inquired about her past right her past yeah because i remember yeah. you mentioning how he asked her about 
being from Noth. I think it's going to be the type of thing where uh, Jorah is going to make his way back and he's going to be the one to expose her. That's what I that's what I told Val when we were talking about it, that, yeah, that I think he's going to be the one to 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 figure it out, you know, because mm-hmm. Davos is a little bit. I mean, he, we talked about this, that he's he's smart, but he's also daft. Yeah, <laughs> he's a dope. Not just that, but he doesn't know he doesn't know all about these people, you know, like they're yeah. just kind of they're they're foreign emissaries, you know, emissaries. Right. So, uh, yeah. So they have a conversation with with uh, Missande about about the Dragon Queen and, uh, you know, why they follow her. And she says, you know, because because we, we chose, you know, we chose her as our queen, not because of who her father was, but because we we chose her, which um you know, it's kind of a kind of the same situation that John was in, I guess. You know, he his father, quote unquote, uh, according to everyone in the north is Ned Stark. It's not actually the case, but uh, for all intents and purposes at this point, it's it's Ned Stark. Uh, but people, people chose him to be their leader. So kind of the same thing. Uh, oh, and then Theon returns to Dragonstone. So John and Theon have their first uh meet up since all the events of or all of uh theon's betrayals uh john's pissed grabs him says the only reason i'm not killing you is because you helped sansa escape so there's that um oh quick uh little scene with uh cersei and tycho from the iron bank um cersei is talking about paying the debt off and uh how they need to figure out a new this this part i actually thought was interesting um and someone uh, on reddit brought up uh, the the tywin line that cersei's not as smart as she thinks she is uh and one of the things she's doing that's actually kind of dumb is paying off the iron the the thrones the iron thrones debt to the iron ban- or the yeah iron throne right yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Iron Throne debt. I just it didn't make sense. Iron Throne, Iron Bank. But yeah, the Iron Threats, Iron Thrones debt to the Iron Bank. Uh, not necessarily a good idea. Yeah. Right. No. No, because uh, I I've actually heard this about the United States too. Is that if you're a little bit in debt to some to some power like that, like the Iron Bank, uh, they have a vested interest in making sure you survive to pay that debt. Um, obviously you need to pay down some of it, but he even makes a mention that some of the iron bank have grown fond of the iron, the Westeros's interest payments, how he's sad that they're going to be gone. So I wonder if that's, that's a, uh, uh, you know, preview of, uh, the upcoming events. If the iron bank's going to go ahead and support someone else, since it doesn't seem well, doesn't seem like things are necessarily going to fare well for Cersei and the Lannisters. Right? Well, not after the battle. <laughs> right. That's... If you asked me before, I would have been like, ah, I think they're winning. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But she does say that she needs to, you know, upgrade upgrade and improve her armies and Navy and all that stuff. So, But it does seem like the Iron Bank is, is going to be working with her. So, All right, moving on. Reach. So this is the the scene of the uh, uh, of the the episode, I guess. And it's uh, outside of King's Landing. 
Uh, the the gold is already put away. They're kind of trying to get the stragglers out. They want to get them across the Blackwater before nightfall because they're in a vulnerable position. Uh, Bron and Jamie are talking to uh, Dickon uh, about various things, and Bron hears the Dothraki coming. So they form up, uh, get ready for the Dothraki charge. You see the Dothraki crests across the field. And then a dragon comes. Flies low, lights up the first first line of Lannisters. It's an epic battle. Uh, what'd you think of all this, Corey? Oh, great action. Yeah. May have been the best. Well, I don't, it was one of the best things I've ever seen on TV, I think. I'm not going to go that far. Why? Um, I think the, the, what was the battle? Uh, battle of bastards. Yes. I think that was better. Okay. More, uh, more at stake, more dramatic. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if there was more at stake. I guess, uh, maybe not in terms of the war, but like personal, how it started. I mean, the way John yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. died, the way Littlefinger came in, you know, that whole... Yeah, yeah. There was a, there a lot of dynamics there. Um, okay. But you're right, it probably didn't mean more in the context of the war. Uh, this probably did. But I did really like the scene, too, with Tyrion overlooking and seeing Jamie. Oh, that was the best. And he's like, fly, or flee, or whatever he said. Why don't you, why aren't you fleeing, or something like that. And he was yeah, so Jamie I'll, I'll, I'll read recap it real quick so yeah the the battle essentially does not go well for the lannister army people get burned up slaughtered by the dothraki bron uh bron runs to the to the ballista uh fires a couple arrows at drogon or the first one misses second one he hits drogon in the shoulder brings him down uh so drogon hits the ground and destroys the the ballista and uh daenerys hops off drogon to pull out the arrow um, and <laughs> Jamie sees her there, you know, by herself essentially, and uh, makes a charge. Man alone uh, picks up a lance on the way. He's gonna run her down and try to try to end the thing by sacrificing himself, probably uh, by running running Danny down. Very Braveheart esque, like uh, William Wallace chasing down Edward Longshanks. Yep, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was. <laughs> But it was great. Yeah, he uh, he gets almost there. Drogon turns around, gets ready to blast him on the last second. Who we assume is Bronn uh, tackles Jamie off of his horse and into the water. Um, Jamie's sinking down to the bottom of the river and the episode ends. It's got to so, be Bronn that saved him. I know they. that's there was some speculation, that, but... but I don't see I don't see how it could be anyone other than Bronn. Well, I think the the point there is Ron doesn't wear armor, so he would be able right. to swim. And, and he's a lot more mobile. I mean, he, he made a point of saying that he doesn't wear armor because, you know, it slows him down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think my favorite part of this entire episode, and it may be one of my favorite things in, in Game of Thrones, was when Jamie was was running down Danny with his with his lance and horse. Uh, Tyrion's like, no, you fucking idiot. No, like, what are you doing? I'm gonna die. And I, I, that was a very, very heartfelt moment for me. 
Uh, I was nervous as hell during this episode, the, this part of the episode, uh, just because, again, it's Game of Thrones and you really don't know what's going to happen. You figured none of the main characters would die during this battle, but you also never really know. You know, well, you, I if also you don't ha- go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. No, that's fine. If you if you had told me that Ned was going to die on the show, I never would have believed it. If you told me Rob Stark and Catelyn Stark were going to die in the show, I never would have believed it. You know, so this is a show that's not afraid to kill off its characters. I think at this point, the main characters at least have a role to play in the the battle against the White Walkers. But it's still Game of Thrones and you still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, also, like, I know we've been expecting battles this whole season, but that one came out of nowhere. Like. It just happened, you know, all of yeah. a sudden they were there yeah. and ready to fight. And like hearing the Dothraki before they could see him was awesome. The, yeah. the roaring and the stampede and everything. Oh, Screaming, so yeah. cool. And they're just like scrambling, trying to get everybody arranged. And then all of a sudden they just come over the hill and there's thousands of them. Yeah, Very cool. it was it was nice to see Drogon like too. Uh, really cool action sequences with with uh, Drogon just lighting stuff on fire. I actually watched the behind the scenes for this one, and it was really impressive the stuff that they were able to do, it and to blows, make it look real. Yeah, it blows all the past dragon scenes out of the water. I felt. Yeah, definitely. It was it was it was amazing. Beautiful. So. Yeah. So ultimately, what'd you think? Um, I I liked it. I thought it was a good episode. I didn't love it. A lot of people were like, oh, it's the best episode of Game of Thrones ever. And I'm like, yeah. it was really good action. But yeah. I don't know if it was the best episode ever. Um, but it was really, really cool and awesome yeah. to see the dragons like do some damage and torch some guys. And yeah, good action for sure. Here you go, yeah. Dan. What? I know we would said we wouldn't do any theory crafting, but. This Thrones Amino website uh uh-huh. davos says to miss andy where are you from i can't place your accent she says i was born on the island of noth davos says i hear it's beautiful there palm trees and butterflies uh the article then reads miss andy quickly ended the conversation is she hiding something let me share with you something about the island of noth it is a very beautiful place and is home to a very deadly disease called butterfly fever it is a fatal disease that literally makes the flesh slow from a man's bones Sloth, sloth from a man's bone. Strangely, it kills visitors to the island, but somehow the natives are immune to it. Palm tree. She doesn't say that, does she? No, she doesn't say anything. Says palm trees and butterflies, but it turns out there's a butterfly disease. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it only it only makes sense. Like, I just thought that was weird how she just didn't didn't say anything you know mm-hmm. just kind of smiled and nodded and walked away uh okay do you want to go over val's email now yeah all right she says hey guys even though i'm married to one of you i want to thank you for getting me through all my long drafts work it's great to hear about your weeks of course i'm loving game of thrones recaps and discussions even though dan and i basically watch game of thrones every night it seems i will never get enough of it uh so the question's before uh which we answered game of thrones living or not male or female who would it be and why the obvious answer for me would be Jon snow because i mean it's freaking Jon snow 
John freaking Snow. But I'm not saying that because he's a hunk and has a body that won't stop. I'd pick him because he's smart, skilled in combat, knows what he wants, isn't afraid to stand up for what he believes in, and seems to be extremely kind. Tyrion wouldn't be a bad choice either, quite honestly, but I struggle with anyone named Lannister. I always like Egret. Egret, yeah. Uh, what are you thinking? I don't know. I meant to think of this before, and I forgot after she wrote it um, to have to have an answer. I would probably want someone that would both protect me, but also and also give me like a decent life. Because if you're a peasant in this world, you know you're you have a pretty pretty hard life. But so man, all you need is love. Yeah, love is all I you need. Probably want to be somewhere in the south. Um, probably, but at the same time, like you don't want to be with some you know, like a family that gets wiped out. Because I would say like the Ty- Tyrells, you know, Olena, yeah, High Garden, but they you know <laughs> they get murdered. So, uh. I was never. Oh man, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, I, it would probably be a bromance. Yeah, because loving someone in this, it just seems to be a bad idea in the Game of Thrones universe. I do like Miss Andy though. Yeah. And Melisandre. Melisandre. She'd be all right. I okay. I'm. I would say Littlefinger. Ugh. I would want me and Littlefinger. Well, Ugh. just be. I, I would ride his coattails. There's other people's yeah. coattails. I would rather ride Varys's coattails than Littlefinger's. Right. I don't know. He's a little more. He's less slimy. <laughs> but you use the sliminess to your advantage. <laughs> I don't know. Both of them have been more or less ineffective completely this season. Yeah. And I don't like you know, that. It's weird because Varys especially had no idea that Jon Snow was king in the north. Didn't know he had been murdered by the Night's Watch and brought back to life. Like that stuff he should know. You know, it's weird. Yep. I know he kind of lost his spy network a little bit, though. Kyburn, Kyburn uh, pilfered them from him. Well, let's not forget, too, that, well, Varys would know, I would think. If my Sandy was the spy, wouldn't he? I don't know. As a I mean, spy himself. Well, so was Jorah, though, right? Jorah was a spy. For Jorah was Lannisters. a spy briefly, yeah. For the crown, not not necessarily the Lannisters. He was just trying to get a pardon. But then jumped ship. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, next question. Who is the one character, living or dead, other than the obvious Joffrey, Ramsey, and Euron that you dislike the most? Joffrey, Ramsey, and Euron are all asshats, so they're obvious. A lot of people would disagree with me on this, but uh, now that I'm listening to the audiobooks, I found myself disliking her more and more. Oh, wait, I missed it. But my least favorite character would have to be Catelyn Stark. Uh, now that we're on our third or fourth watch through the show, and now that I'm listening to the audiobooks, I've found myself disliking her more and more. She was stubborn and a bit naive to a fault, 
and that made and that made a lot of decisions that led to a lot of problems for the Stark family. She also treated John like dirt, which I kind of understand, but she took it a bit too far. Sorry for the long email. Happy podcasting, Val from Dan's house. Yeah, she's uh she's a pretty cold person, and I think a lot of that comes from the Jon Snow, which is sort of tragic, you know, because it's yeah. not actually Ned's bastard. And yeah, Ned lived that lie at the cost of his own relationship with Catelyn. Which is crazy. I probably would have told her. Because of his loyalty, you know? Yeah, I probably would have told her. Yeah. Why why wouldn't he? Like, can you just keep this a secret? Like, I don't know. Maybe she's not good at keeping secrets. Yeah. Um, I didn't care for Oberyn. Really? You didn't like Oberyn? No. What's wrong with you? Oberyn was awesome. Or no. Is that, am I thinking of the right guy? Yeah. The Dorn. The Dornish guy. Yeah. The Viper. With the, the Pike. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really care for him. I was kind of annoyed by him. Really? I didn't really care for Marjorie. Really? She annoyed me. Uh-huh. Uh, I really didn't like the High Sparrow. He annoyed me. Ugh. Smug. Uh, I also really didn't like Alaria Sand. Like, not uh, at all. No, I feel like a know. lot of her actions were uh, irrational to the point of being insane. Uh, oh. Um, the whore that Tyrion married. Shay. Shay. No, he didn't marry her. But I thought they got married. No. Yeah, Shay was pretty right. good. Apparently, Shay was a porn star. Oh, really? The actress, yeah. Good for her. It showed. <laughs> yeah, Alari, I didn't I didn't like Alaria Sand. I felt her her poisoning of Marcella was just unnecessary, uncalled for. Um, it was Oberyn's choice to fight for Tyrion, and he died for it. It had nothing to do with Marcella. Because you know. why did he die for it though? Because he was a little bit full of himself. Well, yeah, that's just it. He got cocky. Yeah. He could have easily won that thing, you know, but he had to prance around and try to glean a confession from the mountain when he was laying on the laying on the dirt. Yeah. That's a good uh brings up a question though I should have asked before we start winding down. But Go what's gonna what's gonna happen with the Dornish army? They're just hanging out. It just seems like they disbanded. They could be a that whole th- that whole thing was weird, though, because like like I said, the, the Martells who were in charge of Dorne were killed. So why did that mean Alaria Sand was in charge of Dorne now? I, that was just weird to me. Yeah. I don't think that was ever addressed. I think she was just the proxy. The only established character that was still alive, you know? Yeah. That could lead them. So that was just the, the proxy character. Yeah, bad writing. Well, I think I, I think people give uh, give these story writers a little too much credit, and I think that's the genesis of all the theory crafting that goes on. <laughs> Honestly, I I don't know. So there won't be a mole, is what you're saying? No, no mole. <laughs> Missandei's great. I mean, really, you really think about it though. Like of all the theories and and 
reveals and stuff like that. Like the craziest one is the the R pro R plus R plus L equals J, right? right. Yeah. Other than that, there's nothing too funky, right? Not, uh, nothing too like, oh my god, that's oh, what the fuck? I mean, I don't know. Like, I I guess it's it's still too early to know. You know? I just like and and I was just reading some of the Miss Andy stuff that I was talking about, and people like going back to season whatever to like a little line that somebody said, and I'm like, yeah, I think you guys are given given too much credit to these story writers no but at the same time like we're watching from the very first season and the amount of foreshadowing in the very first season to stuff that's happening now is crazy like what though like uh robert baratheon has a conversation with cersei about a just rocky invasion which you think nah, that means nothing especially that's after not, uh, that's not like a crazy reveal no but it's 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 that it's almost like there's not a single line in the in the episode in the in the series that doesn't have some sort of some sort of meaning. You know, everything, yeah, everything I guess... comes back. And in, in, like I said, the amount of there's crazy foreshadowing, even in the first season of stuff that happens like later on. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I guess I'm just comparing like what's actually happening with all the crazy theories that go on. And yeah, even though they make sense. The theories sometimes make sense. It never plays out like as brilliantly crafted as people m- try to force into their theories, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, it's like the indoctrination theory in uh, for right. Mass Effect. Exactly. <laughs> it yeah. makes to- it makes complete sense. But, you know, the writers were just never that clever to come up with something like no. that. Probably. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. W- Will wants to know if we want to Skype him in to talk about Pyre for a few. We can. It's up to you. I think we should just wait till next week, right? Okay, yeah, he, then you can talk about it during his week. Yeah, I mean, unless he really wants to. No, I mean, we're pretty much done at this yeah. point. So I got I got clean enough. I got to do anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll uh, do this again next week.